welcome to the Redeemer 20 Sermon Podcast, where our goal is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. My name is Luke Dirks, and I'm your host, and I'm also privileged to lead the 20s ministry at Redeemer Church in beautiful Rockford, Illinois. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at our Thursday night gathering at 7 p.m. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope you also join us at a future Thursday. It's, uh, it's really good to be with you tonight. Uh, yeah, it was a, it used to be a tradition once a month. I don't know if you can call that a tradition, but uh, I was with you guys. But I see a lot of new faces, and it's, it's really good to be with all of you. Luke asked me to, to speak from a topic that I have spoken on in the past. It's uh, going to be on killing sin. Uh, so please turn your Bibles to Romans 8. Romans 8. I wrote this process for discipleship, for counseling, for life group, for when sin is confessed, what do you do with it? But here's my goal for you tonight. I want your sin to die and I want your soul to live. I want your sin to die and I want your soul to live. I want you to realize that we are all going to be standing before a living God before too long. Your life seems very long. It is not. Your life is very short. And this is this incredible, beautiful thing that we have called life given to us by our Creator. And I watch people waste it every day. I watch people waste it every day. I want your sin to die and your soul to live. I want to see you value and treasure Jesus Christ. I want you to hate the sins that consume you on a daily basis. You are consumed with sin on a daily basis. You are in love with it and you hate it and you go on this crazy cycle because you do not value and treasure Jesus enough yet. You have not seen and savored the glory of Christ enough yet. The most godly in this room, there's more, there's infinitely more to go into Christ and enjoy who our God is. We settle for infinitely less joys. And so, um, as much as I would love to entertain you with funny stories and win you over with those, I want you to treasure Christ. I am steeped in the counseling room all the time, and I know how sins consume you. I know that you feel lost. I know that you waste life. I, I did not trust Christ until I was 20 years old. Two decades gone. How many more do I have? How many more do I have? How many do you have? I wonder if all of you know Jesus. I, I wonder if all of you are headed to heaven or if you're speeding to hell. And tonight I hope that God awakens your soul and that you put to death your sin by the power of the Spirit in repentance and faith in Christ and you come alive. And for those of you who know him, stop playing games and you pursue Jesus with all of 
who you are, and then make use of your life. And when you stand before him, you'll realize that you didn't waste a second of chasing him and getting after him. Do you know, do you know the gospel potential in this room? Do you know the kingdom potential that exists in this room? If God were to awaken you, for you to get serious about Christ and faith and, and loving your neighbor, do you know that Jesus could rock this world, not just Rockford? He left his gospel in the hands of 12 men, and it changed the world. What is there, 80 people here? It's time for us to stop playing games with God's grace. Stop making excuses of why you can't get out of sin. Jesus Christ's power is greater than your sin. You are not a prisoner in Christ. You are set free, and we willingly enslave ourselves to the things Jesus died to save you from. If you are not in Christ, you are a slave to your sin, and you need a Savior. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ, you are a slave, and you are not your own. As free as you feel that you are, you have a master, sin, that you could do no other, that will lead you to the pit of hell. And you have a great Savior whose blood has canceled the power of your sin, stands ready to forgive you, receive you, save you, put you on the path to eternal life, and to use your life for eternal purposes. Romans 8.13. My favorite verse in the Bible. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Notice that there is a four at the beginning of this, connecting it to the thoughts previous. But I also want you to notice the next word is if. Do you see that? If. When you see an if, it's conditional. And there are promises attached. If you live according to the flesh, that is your sinful nature, you will die. That shouldn't shock you. We will all die because of sin. You know this. We will die. That's why we die. The curse when we sin at the very beginning, Adam and Eve, Adam, if you do this, you'll die. If you, if you sin, if you break my word, you'll die. And then every person sins. So we die because of sin. This word is doing and saying more than earthly death. It's saying you'll perish, you'll go to hell. If you live according to your sin, your sin nature, you will perish. You will not have everlasting life. You will experience everlasting death, where everlasting life is, is in the presence of an infinite and gracious and wonderful, majestic God, in the, shining in the face of his pleasure, a place of ever-increasing joy where faith becomes sight. Hell is, an ever, is a place of ever-increasing death and ever-increasing sorrow and ever-increasing darkness and ever-increasing pain. This is what's in this verse. If you live according to your sinful nature, you perish. It doesn't matter that you're sitting here. If you live according to your sinful nature, you perish. If you darken the door of a church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, but you live according to your flesh, you perish. You die. Eternally. But the verse doesn't stop there. 
But if, if you put, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. There's another conditional statement with a promise. You're promised. If you live according to the flesh, you will not make it to heaven. If you just live consumed by your sin, not pursuing Christ's righteousness, if you're not trusting in his grace, you perish. But if you, notice that the command is you. Do you see it? Be good Bible students. If you, who's the command for? You. You are called to put to death your sin. But why I love this verse is that you have no power to do it. It's by the Spirit. But if, you, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. So let's figure out what this means. And so this, this promise of death, this promise of life, and I want you to notice that the context of Romans 8.13 is the whole book of Romans, but especially Romans 8.1. Who's he talking to? Who's his audience? He's talking to... There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So be good Bible students. How can he say, how can he promise hell to people who have no condemnation? Hey, if he's talking to people who are in Christ, and he's saying, if you live according to the flesh, you go to hell. He's not teaching that you lose your salvation. Listen very carefully. He is saying there is a certainty of a connection between those who really know Jesus and who put to death their sin. Now, you will be a sinner to the day that you die. And so this is a pattern, a trajectory. You can have confidence. What does James say? Faith without works is dead. I believe in Jesus, but I've never seen a love for God and a love for righteousness. You're not saved. Do not be deceived. Genuine salvation is a turning from sin, a love for sin, to a love for God. And you will see your desires change. You'll start to love what God loves and hate what he hates. And you won't do this perfectly. But do you see it at all? Are you engaged in the warfare against the sin that is making war on you? Are you making warfare on the sin that is making war on you? John Owen, my favorite Puritan, said, Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And here's what he means. In this verse, you have heaven and hell, but you also have your life on earth. Because the more, listen to me, the more you give yourself to sin, the more you die every day, right? It hollows your bones, doesn't it? It empties you out. It depresses you. It makes you anxious. It makes you sad. It makes you not want to get up in the morning. You have no life in your body. As much as you make your life look good on Instagram, you're not that life. You're sad. It's sin. You know what David said? It, it's, it breaks the bones of the soul. Listen to that. Sin, unconfessed sin that's just weighing on your conscience. You know what it It breaks the bones of your soul. 
It will zap you of strength. It will zap you of life. But what's worse is if you do it long enough, you harden your heart so hard against God that you settle into a mud puddle life of happiness. And you're like, well, this is it. And I'll pursue these little, pathetic, small joys. When God is offering you eternal joys, you settle, we settle for small, counterfeit, weak, pathetic, temporary joy that actually leads you to death, that actually kill you, that actually steal your joy and your purpose on your, in your short life. Listen to me. I am not against you. I'm for you. I want you to live. I want you to awaken out of your stupor, to get out of your sin and live the life your infinite creator made you for. Do you know what takes you from that? Sin. Do you know what steals it from you? Sin. Do you know what will keep you from eternal life? Sin. Man, I chased every pleasure. I chased every joy. And at 20 years old, is this all there is? I chased it all, and it left me. Is this, is this what life is? I, I can't even describe to you the weariness. And then when I met Christ, my heart exploded with new life. I have never recovered from the moment that I turned to Jesus Christ and said these exact words. I'm tired of the way I'm living my life. I want to live for you. My life changed. It was a, a weary, broken soul saying, I've chased it all. And this is not bringing life that brought death. And I wonder how many of you are weary to your core, chasing life outside of bounds from how your creator has created you. And I want you to hear that there's hope. Because the spirit of God kills sin in us when we turn to him. We have a God who is not competing with our sin, who is infinitely stronger. We have a Savior whose blood is so infinitely precious that it can bury your oceans filled of sin in an instant. Your past, present, future sins are gone and, and, and covered by the abundant grace that's found in Jesus Christ. One moment of faith and looking to Christ and turning from sin, your past, present, future sins are gone. And you will be reconnected with your Savior. And you can live the life that God has called you to. So how do you do that? How do you do that? Step one, you must repent. You must repent. I can't tell you how many times when I, I see people come see me and I ask them, have you repented? The answer is time and time again, no, 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 no. And you're wondering why you feel so distant from God and, and 
I wonder how many people have actually had their sins covered. And so how do we kill sin by the Spirit? Well, step one is the Spirit of God convicts of sin and he leads us to repentance. And repentance is a change of mind. Repentance is a change of mind. Like, remember that example I just gave you of 20-year-old me where I said, I'm tired of the way I'm living my life. What am I saying in that? I don't want this anymore. I will not pursue this anymore. I, I want to live for you. What am I saying? I, wanna, I, tr- I believe that your sacrifice was for me. I believe I was not created for this. What I've been living for, I want to live for you. Instant. Desires change, hearts change, sin forgiven. Repentance. When is, question, when is the last time you repented? When is the last time you told God, I'm tired of this, I want out? And then, I want to I submit to you that many of our repentance is false. I want to submit to you that there is false repentance. Psalm 66, 18, you mark this down and you know it well. Because many of you say, yeah, I, I guarantee many of you are like, I have asked God to forgive me a hundred times. Nothing's changed. Let me help you interpret that. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Here's what I think we do. Jesus, take away my bad feelings. I feel guilty, but I'm not sorry for what I did. Jesus, take away this guilt. It feels terrible, but I'm going to return and do it again tomorrow. I I love it, but please don't make me feel bad about it anymore. False repentance. What does God say? I don't listen to that. Why? Because he's a harsh, angry God? No. He's a merciful one who wants your heart. He wants you. You know, God wants you. He wants your soul. He wants your heart. So many of your repentance needs to start with, God, I actually love my sin. I have no ability to change my heart. Will you help me? Will you forgive me? You can't change your heart towards your sin. We all cherish sin. I cherish it. You know why I know that verse? Because I was the guy that was crying out for help, 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 but in love with my sin and no help was coming. And the first moment where I say, God, I need you. I'm tired of this. He was there. So when you pray to God, is, is he failing or is there something wrong with our repentance? Is, God too, is his arm too short? Is, is he too weak to help you? Or is there something wrong with our repentance? That something wrong with our heart that you are like Gollum in the Lord of the Rings, my precious, my precious. When sin is our precious, God will mercifully allow you to taste its bitterness until you actually cry out for help. 
save yourself the misery and repent of your sins today. I'm addicted. The Holy Spirit is more powerful. I've done it my whole life. The Holy Spirit is more powerful. The blood of Jesus is more powerful. Whatever excuses you have in your mind right now, God is more powerful than them. Do you believe that? And many of you need to really reconcile with the fact that you love it. No, I hate it. No, you hate the feelings of it. You hate the results of it in your life. But you love it. God hates it. He loves you, and he wants your heart. Will you give it to him? And if you're saying, well, no, that's when you perish. The heart of the Christian is to kill sin. It's the heart of the Christian. There's a certainty of a connection between those who know Jesus Christ and who hate their sin. Yes, you're going to have moments. Don't take this too far. I don't want genuine Christians doubting your salvation. I want you to get out of your sin. Awaken to the life he's calling you to. Do you know the value of a clean conscience? Do you know the price tag? Talking from someone who was riddled for 20 years with a conscience that was filthy and dirty from a double life, from breaking God's commands and loving it. And now having a clean conscience. A heart that's pure by the blood of Jesus Christ, not by anything that I've done, but by the work of God in me. And my desire for you to know that joy and the treasure of Christ, of a clean conscience and a life that's open to the living God and having him be the leader, showing you what he planned for you from before creation. Don't miss that. For what? For what? For what are you trading your soul? For what are you trading your God-given life? He says that, you know, we're saved by grace through faith. Not by works, but by Jesus Christ, by grace through faith. That you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works in which he prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. I awakened to that at 20 years old for the first time. And I can't tell you the fire in my heart to know what's the next thing. What's today? What's today? God, what have you planned for me today? What conversation? What good work? What a gift from God, from a lost soul, worthless. You know me as Pastor Matt. You, don't, you didn't know me. You didn't know me. You wouldn't have recognized me. The grace of God is real and active in my life, and it is in many of yours, but many, maybe tonight, for the first time, you turn from your sins. You put your faith in Jesus. You actually confess your love for sin to a God who's willing to forgive and able to forgive. Repent. 
turn from. You know, it's like the prodigal son, right? I know the way. Give me my stuff. Get out of the way, God. Just give me your toys. I love your creation. I want to enjoy it. Get out of my way. Get out of my presence. I want to enjoy it. And he, he's staring at some pig slop, no money, longing to fill his belly with pig slop. And then it says, he came to himself. Do you know what that word is in the Greek? Repent. He came to himself. It's like, what am I doing? My father's servants have extra food. I'm going home. And he's filled his life with filth. He's, he's spent all of his father's money. And he's afraid of how he'll be greeted. And the father runs to him. Embraces him. Puts a robe on his back and sandals on his feet and throws him a party. How will God receive you? Many of you who have filled your life with filth. When you come to yourself and come home. You'll be embraced. You'll be forgiven. You'll be a son and daughter of the living God. And you'll be able to start the plan that he has for you. Tell me what's better than that. You tell me and I'll live for it. You tell me. The God who's offering you eternal life and eternal purpose that brings meaning to every day. That you trade. That you trade for what? For what? Come awake. Repent. That's the first thing. And then you pray for help. I'll get as far as I can through this thing, Luke, and then I'm just going to quit. Just tell me. No. Then you pray for help. Then you pray for help. Listen to me. Jesus Christ, you know, um, when he was baptized, you know, uh, John the Baptist was a weird dude. He's a really weird dude. Like, uh, like he was weird. Many of you were like, I'd like to meet John the Baptist. I don't think he would have. I think he was probably weird. Um, like, I was teaching my daughters, like, sharing the story, and it's like, yeah, he wore camel hair and ate, like, locusts. And he, like, ate, he ate bugs and honey. He was a weird dude. Like, that's weird. Like, if I showed up here, and you're in the corner in a camel's, like, hair, and you're eating bugs... I'm going to ask Luke, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Should we escort this person out? <laughs> because I'm afraid he's going to shoot me while I'm preaching. <laughs> or throw bugs at me. Like, it's, it's, it's strange. And then uh, John the Baptist shows up and he's like, listen, uh, there's one greater than me that doesn't baptize with water. He's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus Christ shows up on the scene and he he shouts like the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. And, and Jesus comes to John. He's like, I need to be baptized by you. And John's like, I need to be baptized by you. Like, what are you talking about? And, and Jesus said, this is to fulfill all righteousness. And John, okay. And we see this picture of our triune God as the Son of God gets put in the water. And the, the Spirit of God comes from Heaven and rests upon the Son of God. And you see the Father speaking, this is my Son, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Instantly. He goes into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. 
By the Spirit, he walks into temptation. And by the Word of God, he, standing upon it, believing upon it, living it, applying it, he defeats all of these temptations. And in Luke 4.14, it says, In the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus began to preach. Do you know, for those of you who are in Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are saved. You are going to heaven, signed, sealed, delivered. Nothing can take you out of the hand of an almighty God. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing can take you from God's hand if you're in Christ. If you've, if you've given your life to Jesus, his hand is closed on you. He's bringing you home. But listen to me. You can grieve the Holy Spirit and you can quench the Holy Spirit or you can excite his activity by obedience and faith. Jesus, after 40 days, comes out with no food and water in power. Some of you who know Christ, who don't live in power, is because you're polluted with the sins that Jesus saved you from. And you quench the Spirit. Quenching is like if he's a fire, you're pouring water on his activity, his sanctifying fire in your heart. It's like you're grieving him. You're asking him to leave you on a daily basis when you willingly participate in sin. But the more you learn how to say no to temptation, the more, because again, we're answering the question, how do, you, how do you kill sin by the Spirit's power? Well, one, you repent. And then the other thing you've got to do is fight temptation. Well, the, the better you go after this, the more activity of the Spirit will be in your life. And you, you have to pray for help. You know, in, uh, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 22. I want to show you this. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. You need to pray for help, but we don't trust our prayers. We trust the prayers of Jesus first. We trust the intercession of Jesus as a believer. I want you to see this. Verse 31, Simon, Simon, Jesus said, Behold, Satan demanded to have you, he, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And then, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Simon Simon wasn't trusting in Jesus, he was trusting in himself. It's clear throughout the rest of the passage. But I want to see, I want you to see something. There's temptations that come your way every single day. There's temptations coming for you when you leave here tonight. It's life. You will face sin's temptations every day. So where do you put your trust? Did Jesus say, Simon, Simon, trust in your prayer life? Simon, Simon, trust in your, your devotional life? Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to have you, to sift you as wheat. I have prayed for you. That your faith may not fail. You know what gets damaged as you give yourself to sin and sin and sin and sin and sin? Your faith, right? Sin is so hardening to the heart. It's so deceiving to your mind. Where is your faith? Listen to me. Jesus Christ, what is he doing in heaven right now? He's praying for you. He's preparing a place for you. 
That's what he's doing. He's, he's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, and he is intercessing for his saints. He's praying for you. Where's your faith, Christian? You know that you're, some of you, you're, again, you're not enslaved to sin. You're, you willingly entangled yourself in it. Where's the hope? Not in your prayer life, not in your devotional life, that the Son of God is interceding that your faith may not fail. Your trust is not in you pulling yourself out. It's trusting Christ not thinking that you're strong enough on your own. Peter thought he could stand up to this temptation, and he doesn't. For those of you who know the story, he fails miserably. Just verses later, this miserable rejection of Christ when he thought, I'll die for you, Jesus. I will never deny you. I'll never look at that on the internet. I'll never say that. I'll never do that with another person. I'll never, Jesus, I got it. And God wants you to feel that you can't do it yourself. When you, when you try to live the Christian life pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, he, he wants to use the fall so that you trust in him, not in you. This is a battle of faith that you're in. To kill sin, it is a battle of faith, not in yourself, but in Jesus. I really punched myself pretty hard. Take that out. I'll take that out of my notes. Don't punch yourself again. I don't want to do it again. I might die. I'm getting old, Mike. I don't think you should hit. I don't think I should hit around the heart muscle. I'd love to go to heaven, but just not in front of you. Okay. <laughs> How was tonight? Pastor Matt died. <laughs> he hit himself so hard. He's dead. <laughs> You're joking. He just passed it. No, he killed himself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't want to do that. So, I don't know why I say things. I don't know why I say the things I say. I hate so much of the things that I am. That's for the office lovers out there. If you don't, I didn't mean the hate word, okay? All right, just kidding. Here we, I'm just going to keep going. All right, here we go. Where was I? Bueller. Seriously, what was I talking about? Someone help me. Sin, thanks. <laughs> the killing sin. Oh, thanks, Mike. <laughs> you pray for help. Then we let's move on. Okay, we pray for help. All right, next next step. You gotta use the word of God. You gotta use the word of God. In this fight. Again, how do we kill sin by the Spirit of God? Well, he convicts of sin. He leads in godly sorrow and repentance. Uh, he leads us to trust in Jesus Christ, not in ourselves. We don't trust in ourselves. He leads us. The Holy Spirit loves to just magnify Jesus, to put your attention on Jesus, for you to see Jesus, to put your faith in him. The Spirit always points to the Son. And then the Spirit of God, if we're going to kill sin by the Spirit of God, well, do you know that the Spirit of God wrote a book? Do you know that the Spirit of God has words that he wants you to pay attention to? You know, the same context of Romans 8.13 is uh, Romans 8.5, where he says, if you live for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. What do you think about on a daily basis? 
I bet you think about the things you do. And if you are in rebellion against God, I bet you think about them. I bet you're consumed by them. I bet you're, what rattles around in your brain is what you do. But then it says, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And that phrase, things of the Spirit, is pointing to the Word of God. He is the author. Over 40 different men wrote the scriptures, but there's a divine author inspiring those human authors, and here we go. Are you setting your mind on the Word of God? Because that is necessary. Not reading a devotional, that is important, but that's the start, like setting your mind on the Word of God. Setting it, setting it, setting it. Are you focused on it? So many people do not delight in the law of God, in the word of God, and they wonder where, why can't they get out of this sin? Well, you're dwelling on it. And there are certain sins that consume your mind, that chew up your mind, that are hard to get out of your memory. Not impossible because the spirit of God is stronger. The blood of Jesus is greater. But many of you have created a weakness in your mind by how you've used it. And now it's harder to focus on the Word of God. So do you give up from that or do you cling to Jesus and say, help me, help me, help me. Don't give up. That's why you need each other. you got to spur one another on, right? Because one day you're weary. One day I'm weary. And I need you to spur me on. We need each other. You're not going to do this perfect. But are you setting, ask yourself, are you setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, on the Word of God? And um, the Word of God says some things about those who are in Christ. The Word of God tells us these amazing things. It says so many things. But it says in Romans 6, 11, the word of God says, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to Jesus Christ. And do you know why we can consider ourselves dead to sin in Romans 6? It's because we are in union with the death of Christ. In his death, we died. In his resurrection, we rose. And therefore, we are we have this mysterious union with the Son of God and communion with Him that our sin, we are to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. It says these amazing things like you fight sin like you're a child of God. Look at uh, Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14, the, the very next verse after it tells us to kill sin, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And so for those who are in Christ, I, I want you to know, one, do you consider yourself dead to sin? And two, do you realize that you fight as a child of God? Because here's what I know about our Father is that he's saying, I have you, son. I have you, daughter. 
you walk, my grace will meet you there. You try to hold on to my word, I'll meet you there. You try to fight this sin that you've been consumed by for a decade or two, my grace will meet you there. Son, daughter. It says this amazing things. When it says we're not only dead to sin but alive to God, Romans 6, 11. But I want to give you some practical things, okay, about the word of God. So um, I was a very angry child. Uh, again, I've shared this example in here many moons ago, but where are my uh, fellow angry people? Don't leave me alone. Come on, where's your hands? Okay, thank you. Like, uh, when I was a kid, I took a wiffle ball bat and busted all the windows out of my house. Just for fun. Um, I threw a stick at a kid and uh, got stuck in his spokes, and he had eight stitches in his face afterwards. Uh, <laughs> Olivia heard that story once before. I, uh, I just had this, like, low-level, you know, burning anger all the time. I don't know why. The grace of God, if you know me now, the grace of God, I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I'm a really happy person. I'm not a really angry guy at all. But um, early on, when I first became a Christian, like, I still was angry. You know, I still have sin to deal with. And so, like, I get this anger example that I have in this Killing Sin docket is for me. So what do you do in Christ when, that, when you feel the flicker of temptation? And so I'm going to use anger as mine, right? Uh, and so if, if you feel that, and you know, even if you're not an angry person, you know that flicker, right? That fire, that, uh, that, little, that little lighter that matches in the heart, and there's this burn, right? And then it, you don't want it to become a flame. Well, we use the Word of God, and here's how I use the Word of God. Uh, there's no mandated scripture for this, but here's how I do it. When I try to kill a sin, I try to find uh, a verse that tells me about who God is first, God's character. Psalm 103.8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So I beat it. When you set your mind on the things of God, like when my, when my little like, daughter looks at me, the, my, her father, and says, No. Sorry to zero in on you. It's, this is weird. Let's, let's just go for it. Me and you. Okay, I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> well, she looks at me and she says, no. Flicker, right? In my head, I'm like, what do you mean, no? <laughs> you know, it's like, you're three, okay? Like, what do you mean, no? Right? Like, I don't, like, there's so many things I want to say. Remember, Baseball bats, right? Like stick throwing. Like that's who I am without Jesus, right? Stick throwing, okay? And uh, I'll tell you that story another time. It's a, it's a fun one. But um, if I can, I have so put this in my mind that the Lord is merciful and he is slow to anger, compassionate, slow to anger. God, I want to be like you. That snuffs that flame out almost every time. Because I want to be like God. I don't want to paint an inaccurate picture of who God is to my daughter. I don't want to stand before a holy God and have lived my life yelling at a three-year-old. And if that doesn't work, my next pro progression is a command. So I find a verse that's about God. If that doesn't work, I, in my head, I'm commanded. I'm commanded. And James 1.19 says, Know this, 
my beloved brothers and sisters. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, that let each person be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I'm commanded to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, because it doesn't produce the righteousness that God wants from my life. If that doesn't work, I go to wisdom. Proverbs. So any, any sin, I would do this. Any sin, I would encourage you to do this. Then I go to wisdom. Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That is a, that is a response word. A soft answer turns away wrath. So when someone comes at you, right, if somebody comes at you harsh, you usually match them, right? And for the, an angry soul, right, like if somebody, if somebody comes at me angry, I'm like, what? You know, it's like you want to match them, like, let's go. That's, that's who I used to be. But you've seen it, right? When somebody comes at you and then you hear someone answer soft, it just diffuses it. But when you match their harshness, now it's on. And then lastly, you want to you look for verses or characteristic of Jesus. It's completed in Jesus. And, and the way I do it with anger is, um, I know this isn't about anger, but this is just what I always thought about. If, if Jesus has the power to say to the wind and the waves and the, the storm, be calm and it's still. He has the power to speak that in me this raging storm before I just destroy people in my life or run people over because they've made me angry. Jesus, don't let me do this. Calm this storm in me. Use the Word of God. Use the Word of God. And I, I hope in Life Group you guys talk about this. Help each other find verses. The character of God, a command from Scripture, wisdom literature, and Jesus. If you, if you get those in your heart, set your mind on those, God will use it. Now, quickly, I got I to gotta, I gotta go, go fast, really fast. And so a lot of this is, is I don't know where it's written, Killing Sin. I, I think it's a, a document that's in this ministry, so it's not new. But you have to, by faith, to go about this. The Word of God is not strong enough if you don't trust it. If you just know it, you got to trust it. you got to put your faith in it. you got to... This is a battle of faith. Jesus, people, people ask Jesus, like, what is the work of God? What is the work of God? And Jesus said, here's the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. I said that weird. Believe in God. Faith. He said, the work of the believer is to trust in Christ. And you're kind of left like, well, wait. It has massive implications for every moment of your life. Every time you're tempted to click, every time you're tempted to speak in anger, every time you're tempted to this or that, you're trusting not in God. You're trusting in something else to satisfy. And so it's a battle of faith. You must do it by faith. Romans 17, 17, the righteous shall live by faith. And you say, well, my faith is weak. Well, Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So it's like, my faith is weak, what do I do? You give yourself, you set your mind on the things of God. And the Spirit of God gives faith. Next, 
Delight in Jesus. Delight in Jesus. Listen, the secret to killing sin. Listen to me. The secret to killing sin is being so filled with the delight of the surpassing greatness of Jesus that there's no room left for your sin. That's the secret. That's the secret. Delight yourself in the Lord, Psalm 34, 7, 4 says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and then he transforms your desires to love what he loves, and then he gives it to you. It's, it's amazing. And then, and then I love this. Um, I want you to see this, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image, the same image from one degree of glory to another. Listen to me. Beholding the glory of the Lord, that is setting your mind on the Son of God, being consumed with God himself. It says that the Spirit of God is transforming you. Do you remember Romans 8.13? It's by the Spirit that you put to death sin. And how does the Spirit say you do that? You focus on Jesus. Let's be honest. That doesn't make sense. But it does to God. You be consumed with Jesus. You, you, you think about him. You dwell in him. You spend time with him. You, you ruminate over him in the scriptures. And the Spirit of God says, I will transform you into his likeness how he does it passive it's the spirit of god doing this in you this is his work but you need to focus on christ delighting in jesus is the secret to killing your sin and lastly you must kill your sin in community in the church with each other like what you're about to do in small group being real with each other you can't do this on your own. God's given you brothers and sisters to do it with. And Titus, um, Titus 2, 11 through 14 is a beautiful passage. And it says, for the grace of God has appeared. How does, how does, I thought grace was a thing, and it is. But here he's saying grace appeared. How does, how does grace appear? Well, he came and put on flesh and he dwelt among us. The grace of God is a thing, but more than a thing He's a person, and he came from heaven to rescue you. He came from heaven because he knew that you were drowning in sin, and the grace of God appeared in the face of Jesus Christ. And what did he bring with him? He didn't come empty-handed. What does the passage say? It says that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. He didn't come empty-handed. He came to save you, to set you free. The point isn't to kill sin. If sin is in the way. Do you understand that sin is in your way? It's not the point. The point of the Christian life is not to just kill sin. It's to live. It is to know God and to know your purpose in life. It is to step confidently through this life and step out of here holding the hand of God, ushering you into eternity. Sin is in the way. And it is your enemy. And it is you. Your sin is you. You are in your way. But the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. And here's what he does. The grace of God trains. Continually, presently, unendingly, trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. So what does encountering Jesus do? 
It trains us. That grace of God, that forgiveness of sin, we have new desires to renounce it, to hate what you once loved, and then to love what you once hated. And to live, this grace of God trains us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And so we do this in every Every time you say no to sin because you prefer Jesus and you say yes to righteousness matters. Because Jesus Christ lived and he is coming back and you'll stand before him. And every time you hated sin and loved righteousness will count. Every second. This brings massive importance to every second of every day. There is no mundane. We stand before God for it all. And, and preferring Jesus is worth it and brings life. And listen, why did he die for you? To redeem you, to purchase you. What does it say? To purchase you out of your lawlessness. What is sin? It's lawlessness. You, you become a law to yourself. You decide what's good and right. That's sin. God has decided what is good and right. He purifies you from all of that unrighteousness. And then what does it say? He creates for himself. Listen to this. Don't miss this. A treasured possession. He cleanses you from sin and he brings you into his family. And how does he feel about it? Does he feel burdened by it? Like, oh, you don't understand how much in sin he is. No, he treasures you. He treasures you. After, and you're like, no, Matt, not me. You don't understand. No, I do understand. I was you. And he treasures those he saves. He rejoices in them. He delights in them. He, he isn't burdened by saving you. He delights in it. So you come to him tonight. He, how does he feel about receiving you? Delighted. And then it says he's creating a people for his own possession who are zealous for good work. Where are, where are you? Where are you? Come with me. Walk this road. Stand alongside brothers and sisters. Come with me towards Jesus Christ. You go with one another towards Jesus Christ, zealous for good works. Let him light a fire that will never go out. And you, make, you, you realize that you will live so short of a life, and you set it on fire for the glory of God. That you prefer Jesus over the wickedness in this world and you go after him and you will step into eternity and not regret it. I want you to be set on fire. I want you to give Jesus the rewards of his suffering. That's what I want to do. You died to treasure me. I don't know why. But you died for me to be zealous for good works. I'm in. I'm in. And I want you to be in too. And sin steals zeal. So do this together. And I love this. The point here where I put this under community is, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us. Us. The family of God. Not just you. This is us. We're together in this. 
We're together in this. You can't be alone. We need each other. Don't hide from church. Don't hide from your people. If you're struggling and you leave here struggling, don't leave the community of God. We need each other. Stay in this. You bring other people, other people out there that you know, they need this. They need to be here. They need to be with the people of God. They need to be encouraged. They need to be loved. They need to hear the gospel. You need to bring them in. You need to bring them in. So I'll close by saying, if you've never trusted Christ, do so tonight. Let your sin die and your soul live. The Son of God, the sinless Son of God, went to the cross, scorning its shame. You know, I love this, I love this parallel of Jesus Christ. You're, the only reason your sin can die is because Jesus Christ died for your sin. That's it. The hope of your sin dying is that he killed it on the cross. He, he was killed for it, and he put it to death. And so won't you put your faith in him tonight? And if you're a Christian, I want you to tell your small group leader, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Trust in Christ tonight. And if you're struggling with that, confess it. If you're steeped in sin, confess it. Confess it. Bring that out of the darkness into the light and fight it in community with the Holy Spirit and with the people of God. Let's pray. Jesus. We want to magnify you tonight. We want to magnify you tonight, God, because your grace is sufficient. Jesus, when you died on the cross, you said, it is finished. You, you took it all. You, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. And, and Lord, may we kill our sin. May we be active in killing our sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you rescue people tonight that have run from you, who maybe are self-deceived and think they know you. May they put their faith and trust in you tonight. May they not harden their heart towards this appeal, towards this call of, of bringing them to you. God, I just pray for the Holy Spirit bringing them to you. I pray that do not, they do not harden their heart. May you save people tonight. And I pray that you rescue Christians who are willingly enslaved to sin or willingly uh, bounded by sins. May you break their love for it tonight and may you set them on fire with a zeal that never dies, that only ever increases. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.